Inhale. Exhale. No, really, you might need the relaxation for the quackery that you're about to hear. From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins, and this is The Tea Room. A few weeks ago, TMR's editor Penny Durham and I attended Sydney's Mind, Body and Spirit Festival. The exhibition hall was brimming with everything from crystals with healing powers, from shakes that detoxify the gut, and medical devices claiming to reduce pain and other ailments. The line for the ATM was constant, as was the line for the 25-minute psychic readings at $55 a piece, which only took cash. On the Saturday when I walked around, I saw everything from iridology to devices that could relieve pain from the body, from people summoning pain out of people's bodies with their hands, all the way to a medium summoning ghosts for people's loved ones. What you're about to hear is TMR editor Penny Durham walking around with Richard Saunders from the Australian Skeptics to show you what was on offer. I'm not leaving that, but I can't get to work in progress. I'd just like to talk to you about the cards that I pulled from Leanne Pictures Healing Energy Cards. And she is um, a wonderful uh, psychic artist in Hobart. The first one is the Goddess Awakening, and we're now in the age of Aquarius, which is the age of the goddess, and we're starting to balance out the yin with the yang, uh, bringing in uh, the goddess to uh, balance out the god. It's time to walk through into the unknown. You are being guided to birthing things, to embrace change and to welcome your power now. Crystal activated water. Just, just a quick one, I just wondered if you could explain how the crystal activated water works. Uh, crystals have been used for centuries um, for their healing benefits. It's why we wear them, it's why we use them in um, healing sessions. By using your crystal in your water, you allow your water to take on that energy and that natural vibration of the crystal. And it's a beautiful, portable way to enjoy the um, benefits of crystal elixirs throughout the day. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Do the different crystals do different things? They absolutely do, yeah. So we always recommend um, visual, having a look at the range, having a look at what's on offer for you. And um, we always say that the crystal finds you. So it's really important to just see them all out, see what draws you in and go with that. Um, sometimes getting uh, bogged down with the detail may not necessarily be what you're actually needing. Um, you've got to let the crystal find you. Yes. All right. Well, thank you very much. For thank that. you. Ciao. Oh well. Um, what Richard is looking at is a stall full of products that are vaguely candle shaped, but are definitely not candles. And I don't think they're salt and pepper shakers. They're not salt and pepper shakers. No. There's a lot of jewellery. A lot of jewellery. Well, if you look around, what would you say? Seventy-five percent of people here are women. They know their market. It's always been the case. Water and food rejuvenation plate. Is this the one where you put it under your food or water and it empowers it in some way? Oh, only $70 for a piece of green plastic. Pendants, 
personal protection against electromagnetic radiation. After all these years coming here, originally it was for psychics and things, because that's my core interest. But I think the biggest lesson I've learned over all the years I've been here is that people can get away without making with making outrageous health claims. Yeah. And where are the consequences? You know, make your claim and, and stake your your stall, and away you go. How does it work? How does it work? That's a, that's a big question. How do we get Wi-Fi onto our phone? How do we get videos on our phone? How do we hear a person's voice? Well, well, we know we know all that. But how does, yeah, but how does this work? It has a quantum frequency sensor inside. What? Quantum frequencies. It has a quantum frequency sensor inside. It has all the. Has, what is we that? have an app. It has all the frequencies recorded in the app. So frequencies, cellular biology frequencies. So every cell of your cells. So your blood cells. Your What's the frequency of a blood cell? I don't know, but the uh. cell biologist, <laughs> cell biologist has been working with cell biology for 30 years, Dr. Mendo Nina from Portugal, and he teamed up with a quantum physicist from Germany, who wow. was a who was a Buddhist monk for 12 years, and then together they um, they used their science and their technology together. To what did you do? It harmonizes. Sorry, can I just let you know that I've got a mic on here? I'm just recording a podcast. Is that okay? Do you mind? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. So it's a um. Biofrequency, um, it, it, it balances the bioenergetic field yeah. of your cells and of your body. So it has 144 programs, has 144,000 frequencies, and you can pick a program that um, yeah, to run. So if you have like an inflamed knee or elbow, um, we use the we use the cables like a tens machine, but you pick the joints and bones, and it has the programs preset for joints and bones. Oh, so it can and treat it, those conditions. Yeah. Wow. And it has a, one of our one of the ladies here is a vet. And you know, through her studies of being a veterinarian at university, they used to even they would they would say that even a cat's purr is at the same frequency as your phone. So that's why you know cats like to sit near you because they're purring and they're helping to give you the right frequency for your body to heal. So this is the same thing. So. Thanks very much. Well, that's Thank, you. Thank you so much. We better check that out. Yeah. It was an interesting. Um, Debating tech, well, not really debate, but well, how does Wi-Fi work? Well, no, no, we. Might, I might not be able to explain that to you, but I do know that I but, could find out how that works. But. Uh, maybe you're of the same opinion of me. I, I probably think that she believes it. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd actually, you'd actually have to do a fair bit of work to find someone here who is in any way a an out, a deliberate scammer yeah, or a, it's, deliberately it's being not, fraudulent. It's not easy it's not, to tell sometimes. Seriously, it's yeah. not easy to tell. Oh, the Metatron from Russia. The Metatron is a its a laptop with a pair of headphones. You put the headphones on and a program appears on the laptop which appears to scan your whole body. It shows you your in- internal organs and will show you parasites and viruses and then send a vibration through the headphones to zap them in your foot or your kidney or whatever the case may be. All through the headphones? All through the headphones. And also does the amazing thing, it will zap a bottle of water and turn it into a homeopathic remedy for your ills. It's very impressive. Very impressive, very expensive. Yeah. One of the big uh, medical or pharmaceutical companies should really get onto that, wouldn't you think? They could make a bomb out of that kind of thing. You know, you think they would. Yeah. They would make an absolute fortune out of this incredible technology. (laughs) Why are they holding it back from us? I I don't understand. Gluten-free, wheat-free, yeast-free, nut-free, vegan. Wow. Vegan. So what's Dairy-free, egg-free, sulfite-free. What, what ingredients are left? <laughs> Thanks for hosting me around. You've been coming to these for quite a long time, Richard. 
tell me, what are some of your favourite offerings that you've seen at the My Body Spirit Festival over the years? Well, honestly, I mean, I guess I've been doing this for almost 20 years. My favourites are the lovely food, the yummy spices and the hot sauces and the chips and everything. That's, uh, that's great. But on, on the flip side, I've seen some outrageous things like here, like cancer cures, people promoting cancer cures, people saying water can be turned into sunblock, devices which claim to diagnose and heal you, which can't possibly do so. So there's a lot here to be sceptical of, if not outraged by, quite frankly. A lot of it, as you said, is, is harmless. There are a lot of pretty things, a lot yeah. of delicious things, um, a lot of things that are basically harmless but probably provide a nice placebo effect. You had some pain therapy there. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that? I had a device put on my head which was like a vibrating handheld device put on various parts of my head and for what it's worth it felt nice briefly have your head massaged and vibrated but they were claiming it could treat your whole body and they were listing a whole range of uh, ailments from sinus problems to headaches to migraines to everything now these are medical claims there's no two ways about it you can't just have some sort of vibrating flashy machine and make all these claims and they're selling it for some outrageous sum six hundred dollars or something there and that is. one's apparently TGA uh approved it's on the they claim, ARTG they, claim, they, they say claim we'll, we'll check that one out we'll check that one out I would say that the people at the booths um, most of them just wouldn't know if you ask them specific questions like that it's way out of their pay grade like how does it work is it is a question most of them simply don't know no I don't think they're it's really coming armed for that sort of level of questioning most of what we see around is a, there's a lot of crystals candles, beeswax, psychic greetings, yep. the usual, usual. usual things that have been around for ages. Yep. What do you think is the enduring appeal of that kind of practice? Yeah, that's a good question. Whatever it was 20 years ago, it's the same appeal now. People like to think they're getting something natural. That's the biggest buzzword there is. You know, it's a natural healing, it's a natural process, it's new, it's using energy. You mix all that up with psychics and people wanting to be uh, have a spiritual angle on their life, and here they are. And, and as you've seen here, they don't actually have to back up their claims with anything. They just come up, set up their stall, and sell the item. That's all they have to do with words on the back that says treatment or migraine or, or quantum or whatever it is. They'll all make money. Thanks very much, Richard. When I went down to the trade show, it was the day prior to Penny and Richard, and I was sitting in a medium reading. It's the woman you can now hear chanting at the audience with the upbeat Christian rock and the clapping sticks. And she started to quite quickly summon ghosts who were deceased loved ones of audience members. And of course, this is more of an extreme example of the festival. But as Penny and I chatted more and more about the event, we kept circling back to the same question. Where on earth was the Therapeutic Goods Administration among all this woo? So, we turned to a regulation expert to get his thoughts. So, as you've just heard, there's a lot going on at the Mind Body Spirit Festival. There's devices claiming to have therapeutic benefits and 
It's really a big festival of woo, everything from psychics to complementary medicine to crystals, which would regularly come under the eye of the Therapeutic Goods Administration. But we have adjunct associate Professor Ken Harvey, a public health physician with a keen interest in the regulation of therapeutic goods, joining us on the podcast. Professor Harvey, thanks for joining us. Good to be here, Francine. So the Mind Body Spirit Festival, as you probably know, touts itself as Australia's largest health and well-being event, and it comes with many unregulated uh, complementary medicines and devices. And you know, some of them are low risk, some of them maybe aren't as low risk. But I was going to ask you a little bit about why the TGA doesn't actually regulate a lot of these devices and goods that are being sold at events such as these? Well, medicines and devices that make therapeutic claims, regardless of whether they're said to be low risk in inverted commas, are meant to be registered or included on the Australian Register of Therapeutic Goods. Um, A lot of people don't bother to do that because unless someone complains uh, who's going to the TGA, he's not really going to catch up with them. But if they do take the trouble to uh, get them listed or included on the ARTG, there's still huge problems. Um, It's an automatic listing or inclusion process. Um, It is uh, self-certification that they either contain the appropriate regulatory constraints um, uh, and it's a trust-based system. So there's only two checks TGA has. Um, That's a small number of post-marketing reviews and an advertising complaint system, and they both got flaws. And so it seems quite problematic that the public thinks that they're safeguarded by the TGA or this regulation system, which a lot of members of the public would think protects them for a lot of things that, say, aren't evidence-based. And that's clearly not the case because, as you were saying, this system is quite voluntary and the TGA is often playing catch-up with new things on the market. Could you tell us a little bit about how this all began? Yeah, the rot started about 20 years ago when government, in response to industry, uh, allowed so-called low-risk medicines and devices to be listed automatically on the ARTG following self-assessment. And of course, industry loved this process. Uh, They lobbied for it. Uh, Of course, we are responsible, they said. And and the government, uh, bless them, said, well, this is going to encourage lots of useful products uh, to be available more quickly to the Australian public. What it in fact resulted in was lots of useless products, poorly regulated. So that's where it started. And it's got worse from there. Um, I mean, yes, there is uh, a small number of post-marketing reviews done by the TGA. They assess about 160 listed medicines a year out of more than 10,000. And over the last five years, on average, about three quarters of the products assessed have been found to be non-compliant with the rules, uh, mainly because companies can't produce the evidence to substantiate the claims made to say they work. In addition, uh, when a TJ notifies companies of a review, which they're obliged to do, uh, many companies just choose to delist the product, which aborts the review, and they then usually relist a similar or identical product. So the post-marketing surveillance isn't working. Small numbers reviewed, um, and again, it just enables companies to relist another product, even if they get pinged. 
The advertising complaint system is equally problematic. I mean, it was a couple of years ago in July 2018, the TGA took over the complaint system. Uh, the previous complaint resolution panel had upheld virtually all the complaints it received, but it had no power to sanction companies which repeatedly breached the Therapeutic Goods Advertising Code. So there was some support for the TGA takeover. And under the new system, they were given enhanced investigative and compliance powers, um, including penalties for breaches of the rules. And there were other additions at this time to reduce advertising creativity. The Therapeutic Goods Permissible Indications Determination was introduced and a new Ostel A listing category was created. These were both for medicines and not devices. And people would be, would be reassured to know that the Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, said the measures proposed will enable potential harms from inappropriate advertising to be comprehensively prevented. And I can confirm the TGA will be adequately resourced and staffed to manage complaints from 1 July 2018. He also promised an independent review of the effect of the new advertising measures within two years of implementation. But typically, the TGA allowed industry to create the permissible indications list. And the result was that 86% of over 1,000 indications could now be justified by traditional rather than scientific evidence. And this has largely removed the need for complementary medicines to have a scientific evidence base. And not surprisingly, the industry is increasingly using traditional indications. The list includes Chinese traditional medicine indications such as softens hardness, opens body orifices, and moistens dryness in a triple burner, whatever that means. Traditional medicines are by default pre-scientific, and the theories on which they've been based have not been validated by scientific inquiry. These include centuries-old traditional Chinese medicine concepts of meridians through which life energy known as qi flows, the Ayurveda concept of life forces, dosha, and the more recent homeopathic concept that like cures like. Now, Australia is a multicultural and pluralistic society, and it's appropriate we allow access to alternative medical traditions and products, but consumers need to understand the difference between traditional and scientific evidence and be protected from harm and exploitation. The Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, Choice, Friends of Science and Medicine and others have called for an educational statement on the pack and promotional material of medicines making traditional claims. For example, this product is based on traditional beliefs and not modern scientific evidence. But this was opposed by industry and the TGA and rejected by government. It's present on Canadian homeopathic products, but it's still required. It's like plain packaging for cigarettes. Well, it's... <laughs> You're still, you're not allowed to make claims on cigarettes, but you're, you're meant to have health warnings. And again, we would argue that uh, putting this on the, on the pack, this product is based on traditional beliefs, not mo modern scientific evidence, is an appropriate warning for consumers. But of course, the industry didn't like it and the TGA didn't go ahead with it. So can we now take a look at the complaint system and why that isn't working in the way that it should? Yeah, well, as I said, in 2018, new complaint system, TGA given uh, new powers of surveillance uh, and also uh, new penalties to put on breaches of the code and the regulations. But in fact, an analysis two years later showed that the TGA was classifying most complaints as low priority and closing them by sending an educational letter to the company. 
So the letter reminded the company of their regulatory obligations, but also pointed out that no further action would be taken. In the first year of the TGA takeover, there were around 2,000 complaints. In the second year, there were more than 3,000. Delays in dealing with complaints by the TGA increased. So then we had an independent review by government-appointed consultants, which recommended that the solution to the increasing backlog of complaints was to stop dealing with individual complaints. It was said not to be in the public interest to provide more resources. And as a result, outstanding and most new complaints are now closed by sending the complainant this letter that says, your complaint has been finalised. The information you provided will be used by the TGA to inform compliance and enforcement activities under the TGA's updated advertising compliance framework. The TGA is transitioning towards responsive regulation by utilising an intelligence-led or risk-based approach to compliance activities. Thank you for bringing this matter to the attention of the TGA. So why would anyone bother to submit any more detailed complaints when this is the only response you get? Presumably, the TGA hoped for just this reaction. They'll then be able to cite a falling off of complaints as evidence that unethical advertising has been brought under control. So over the course of the pandemic, we really saw some very questionable products and individuals making non-evidence-based claims, you know, really taking centre stage on social media, particularly as the virus started to spread around the world. And that was very problematic. But as you've just highlighted, there's got to be more than, say, just interested journalists sending tips to the TGA and individuals like yourself who have a keen interest in this area. So where does that leave us in 2021 in trying to regulate some of these harmful things? Well, to be fair to the TGA, they have focused on COVID-19 crazy advertisements, uh, Pete Evans and his interesting devices and various others. And they have actually used uh, some of their penalties uh, to uh, bring about some action on some of these. But the focus, as I say, only this year has been on COVID-19. They've had several years to do something about other complementary medicines, low-risk devices, which they have not done. So where are we in 2021? Well, a recent study in the Medical Journal of Australia found that about 75% of older Australians take at least one dietary supplement or complementary medicine, most of which are not recommended by current medical opinion. And the researchers said that the widespread use of complementary medicines in this population raised questions about their marketing and promotion. Indeed. A 2021 complementary medicine industry snapshot showed a revenue of $5.69 billion and a growth of 15% per annum and an export revenue of $1 billion. And as I mentioned, there are now over 10,000 listed medicines, mainly complementary medicines, on the Australian Register of Therapeutic Goods, with about 2,000 new listings every year. Interestingly, an application for listing costs the industry $860. The annual charge to keep it on the ARTG is a little over $1,000. So we estimate that the TGA's annual income from these so-called low-risk listed products is around $13 million a year. Now, the industry adds this cost of regulation to the price consumers pay. But in return, consumers are certainly not protected from products that don't work nor from rampant unethical promotion from what I would argue is an exploitative industry. 
They have done something about irrational um, and unethical advertisements about COVID-19, but that is no excuse for doing very little about the rest. And again, my concern with this uh, is that it diminishes trust in the regulator. Uh, the TJ has had a couple of surveys uh, out of consumers and health professionals on how they, what they think about the TGA and what they think about the regulation uh, of complementary medicines. The results are appalling. Um, you know, less than 30% of consumers and far less health professionals believe that the TGA is doing an, a good job uh, on complementary medicines. And again, the concern is if they're not doing a good job on complementary medicines, and if we don't trust them, why should we trust them uh, in regulating vaccines? That's my concern. Professor Ken Harvey, thank you so much. Well, thank you, friends.